Good morning. I greet you all this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we come for worship today. It's good to see you all here. Just a couple of announcements that I'm going to make. Uh, next Sunday is our 106th anniversary from right? No, that doesn't sound right. Anniversary Sunday next week. I'll figure out the number before next week. Um, but we're, so it'll be at the regular time, 11 a.m. We'll have a little bit of special music. And some people are talking about going up to lunch afterwards at Motel North, so you are welcome to go there following the service next Sunday. Remember, though, also the time changes next Sunday, so keep that in mind as well. Tonight at 7 o'clock, we are reinstating our prayer meetings. Our other churches are also invited to come, so we will meet here in the sanctuary at 7 o'clock tonight for our uh, newly... Uh, renewed, I guess, prayer meetings as we gather to pray uh, for Sydney Mines and the North Side in general, actually. The Bible study on healing continues Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. If you have any questions, you can talk to Bev at the back. Our masking policy continues. Um, just in the past week, I heard of a church in New Brunswick that had to cancel a major fundraiser and church on the weekend because of COVID in their church and, and a, a bingo hall, a little church, a little hall in Forshoe. Uh, at least five people went home with COVID last weekend. So we want to be safe. We want to keep each other protected. So we do that. We know a lot of other places you don't wear masks in a lot of other churches, but we would prefer to try to do our best here. Uh, offering, there's still the box at the back and you can donate online, but we're going to try, it seems it should be okay, that we're going to pass, start passing the plate again next week. And you can still use the box, you can still donate online, but we will be passing the plate. So don't feel bad if you don't put anything in it because you're donating it online or, or whatever. But we will pass the plate starting next week. In response to Fiona, we noticed that uh, there are a number of people in our church that went without at a time for like a, a week, right, because of lack of power and that sort of thing. So we would like to, we were talking at church council last week, we would like to try to put together some sort of emergency response plan for the next storm, because we know another one will come someday. And it would simply be as far as finding ways to check in on one another. It could be as simple as that, but it could include things like how do we respond to the needs of our community. So we're looking for a few people to get together to start to think about how that plan might look and how we could respond. So if you're interested in that, just see me after the service. Or call me anytime, I guess, whatever, if you're interested in being part of that little, little committee. And as we continue to talk about healing and the Bible, um, Bev and I will be at the front of the church at the end of the service again to offer prayer uh, for you if you would like to come forward and receive prayer today. Oh, one other thing, the Apple Crisp uh, was a huge success. We sold out as we expected, um, and our profit was around $1,400. So, fantastic job. Thank you for all the helpers, and thank you for all of you who, who bought Apple Crisps. Uh, we should also just say a huge thank you to the Farmers United Co-op because they donated our apples free of charge. So, thank you to them. So, as a thank you, we dropped them off. Uh, we had one spare Apple Crisp. We dropped it off to them as well as a card of thank you. Anything else to share today?
Okay. 106 crisps. 105. Yeah. So 105 are sold total. Yeah. Yeah. We, we aim for 100. Yeah. And our, our profit is well yeah. between 14 and 15. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, Evelyn. I want to thank everybody that came to help. Yes. It was a great success, and all the bodies that came, it just made the work so much lighter and went great. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Christmas cheer Yes. Yes. So that's for Christmas cheer, it's registration, yeah. And I'll get that out in today's newsletter as well. So, for those who aren't here. Anything else to share? Uh, many of you may have saw Gordon Frazier here last weekend, home for a visit. Um, on Thursday we received news that Gordon had a significant heart attack and is in hospital right now. He's hoping to be discharged shortly but uh, he, his ex stay in Nova Scotia has been extended by a few weeks as he recovers. Uh, he's doing well. Um, Joyce and I have both talked with him. Uh, okay, yep, so you've talked yeah. to Joyce as well. And, and, and Gordon, we know you're watching, and so we, our prayers are with you, buddy, uh, for a quick recovery so you can get home. Okay. If there's no further announcements, uh, we will... Take a moment to silent our hearts as we prepare to worship our God. We light this candle. Remember, Jesus Christ, light of the world, walks with us each and every day. Let us join together in a responsive psalm, Psalm uh, 15. God, who may be a guest in who may be a guest in your house? One who leads a blameless life. One whose tongue is free from malice. One who cannot respect the unworthy, but honors those who fear God. Who stands by a promise given, though it be a personal disadvantage. One who will not take interest on a loan, nor accept a bribe to testify against the innocent. Let us pray. 
As you promised to be with us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to worship you, to listen to your word, and to pray in faith that we might grow in our love for you and for one another. Amen. Our opening hymn is All Who Are Thirsty. As we continue to look at our, our, the healing in the Bible and what the Bible and Jesus and God has to tell us about healing, we also come acknowledging that there are barriers that we put in place. That there are times when we struggle to receive all God has for us. And in those times, it is our sin that keeps us separated from God. So now we search our hearts. We ask God to help us to confess our sins to Him this day. Let us pray. Father, I often find myself struggling to follow in your way. It is the sin in my life which keeps me from your path. Lord, I invite you today to heal me of my sin and lead me in your way. The Lord hears our cries for help, and he responds in love and grace and mercy. 
letting us know that when we lay our sin before him, we are indeed forgiven again and again and again as we enter into a deeper and more intimate relationship with our God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's sing our response together. Know that God is good. Know that God is good. Know that God is good. God is good. God is good. Mungu ni moema. Mungu ni moema. Mungu ni moema. Ni moema. Ni moema. Know that God is good. Know that God is good. Know that God is good. God is good. God is good. Thanks be to God. I'm going to turn now to our scripture reading. And the scripture reader for today is not here, so I guess I'll do it. There's the coloring there, guys, if you would like to go over and color. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no so many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door. And he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves. And he said to them, Why do you raise, raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Stand up, take up your mat, and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
It's okay. Let us pray. Lord, we indeed come to be in your presence. That where there's work to be done, we will be there. And that work often begins with ourselves. And so, Lord, as we gather around your word this day, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. So, as I mentioned, we're continuing to take a look at healing and the Bible, and we're going to shift our focus for the next week or so on reasons why our prayers do not work. And today, that focus will be on one of the big ones. It will be on sin as we continue learning from Mark Pearson's book, Christian Healing. Now, because God gave us the ability to make our own life choices, what we call in the church to be free will, we frequently make bad choices. We choose things that are against what God has told us. And when we do this, it is called sin. When we disobey, it's not so much that we are breaking God's laws as much as we are breaking ourselves in relation to God. Or we are breaking other people. Now when we sin, when we make our choices of what God would not like, of, when we make choices God would not like us to make, what we're doing is we're putting up a barrier between us and God. As we saw in our scripture reading today, it was the paralyzed man's sin that kept him from walking. And when Jesus forgave his sin, he took his mat and walked out, walked out of the house. If we turn to John chapter 5, we remember the story of the man who was sitting next to the pool of Bethsaida. This is a, a, a pool known for its healing properties that people would go to to be healed. And the man could not get himself up into the water quickly enough. So Jesus healed the man on the spot and he walked away again as a paralytic. And later on, Jesus bumped into the man again and he said, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. In scripture, we see that there is this direct connection between our sickness and our sin. And God has given us some guidelines, some, some principles to follow that do indeed work. And he has also given us a way to deal with our sin so that we may be healed. In John 8.32, Jesus says, the truth will set you free. So if we don't want our barriers in our lives to, we don't want barriers in our lives to keep us from receiving all God has for us, from receiving that truth that will set us free. Nor do we want to keep ourselves from receiving God's blessing, God's healing in our lives through his grace and his mercy. So we need to set ourselves free from these barriers. It is our sin that creates harm. We harm ourselves, we harm other people, and we harm our relationship with God. And these are the kind of the three things we're going to look at today. And we're going to start with the, with the big one, and that is our sin harming our relationship with God. That is our most fundamental sickness, estrangement from God. So let's go back and look at the life of Adam and Eve. Here are two people God created first and foremost, and they chose to disobey God and eat fruit from the forbidden tree. And what happened next? 
Immediately, a barrier went up. They realized they had disobeyed God, and what did they do? They hid from him. Up until this point, Adam and Eve had enjoyed an incredibly deep and personal relationship with God. They would sit and talk with God in the garden. But after they ate the fruit, they were ashamed of themselves, and they hid from God. After they hid, we read this in Genesis 3. We hear that God called out, where are you? And Adam replies, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, so I hid. When they sinned, Adam and Eve felt shame, and they were afraid. So they hid in the trees of the garden. They literally put up a barrier of branches, hoping to hide from God. And this pattern continues even today. We sin, we run, we hide. We put up a barrier so that we hope God cannot find us. Well, the good news is, just as Adam failed in his attempt to hide from God, so does our attempt to hide from God. God knows where we are. God finds us. Now, the consequences of sin, according to the Bible, are both physical and spiritual death. When Adam learns of the impact of his sin... By eating the fruit, it says in Genesis 3.19, By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. In John 3.18 we read this, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Romans 6.23 gives us a little, more, it's a little more clear. Paul writes, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our reactions to the warnings in the Bible, these kinds of warnings, is to simply say, well, my sin is not all that bad. We tend to compare our, our, our failings to the failings of other people. We might say, well, I'm not as bad as the guy across the street. I mean, he's really messed up. At least I'm not him. My sin's nothing compared to his. Well, what we need to realize, though, is all sin, no matter if we interpret it to be not that bad, all sin separates us from God. All sin is a barrier that we put in place to try to hide from the abundant blessings of God. The fact that we even try to reason it away is not all that bad, even though it's clear in the Bible about the impact of sin. All that just goes to show how much we want to control our own lives. And and to do this instead of trusting God. God is holy. God is perfect. Therefore, there's no place for sin in places where God works. No sin is excused. So I guess that means we might as well give up, right? Because there's no chance of us making it to God's kingdom if, if no sinner, if all sin is that bad. But that's not true either. Because God gives us a way. God provides a way that punishes the sin and forgives the sinner. And that way is Jesus. God sent his only son to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. By doing so, Jesus Christ becomes the pathway to salvation by simply putting our trust in him.
John 1.12 says, Yet all who did receive him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We all have this right to become children of God if we just learn to let go of our sin. Now, in some corners of the church, the balance between upholding the values of God and, and the impact of sin on someone's life is, is out of balance. In some extremely conservative churches, they look at God's standards in, in such a way that they use them to condemn people that they see who have fallen short. In other churches, say, like the United Church of Canada, we want to be so welcoming to people and that we ignore the impact of sin on their lives. In other words, we don't help people overcome their sins so that they can enter into a deeper relationship with our Heavenly Father. What we want to do is we want to work somewhere in the middle ground, of course, between these two extremes. We want to be inclusive to as many people as we can, but we want to help them deal with the issues in their lives that keep them from entering into a deeper relationship with our God who loves them so much, to help them repent and overcome the sin in their lives. It's in this middle ground where healing can happen for so many people, both physical and spiritual healing. For example, in John chapter 8, there's the story of the woman caught in an adulterous relationship, and they drag the woman before Jesus, expecting them to condemn her to death as is written in the law. And what does Jesus do instead? He does not condemn her. He says, go and sin no more. And he does it in a most loving way. Jesus is our Savior. He died for our sin. He died for God's incredible love for his children. In accepting this, we are, we are committing to have Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives. We cannot separate the fact that Jesus is both Lord and he is also our Savior. He cannot be only one or the other. That is not God's way. Now, if we're perfectly honest with ourselves, we will never live a sinless life. This is a regular challenge and struggle that we will face as we live in a world that is filled with sin. But what God wants from us as we welcome Jesus into our lives as Lord and Savior, all what, what God wants is simply a promise. He wants a promise that we will just try to do our best following the example of Jesus. You see, God wants us first. He wants you first. He wants a relationship first. Which is more important than how we live, really, because it's through our relationship with God that we grow as his children, not necessarily by following strict rules that are laid out for us. Now, when I coach sports with young children, do I, what do I do? Do I sit them in a classroom in front of a whiteboard and start listing, these are the rules of the game that you must follow, and they begin with number one, two, three, and do, like, do I do that with kids? No. Like for basketball, I give them a ball, I teach them how to dribble, I teach them how to shoot, I give them skills that they can use within the game. For track and field, I teach them just proper running techniques so it's easier on the body, that kind of thing. And then as they grow in these skills of shooting, dribbling, and running, then I start to teach them how to use those skills within the rules of the game. It's the same with relationships. We watch people, we learn from them, 
We try things out, and over time we find what is appropriate and what is not. That applies to our relationship with God as well. The trick is whether or not we listen and obey. We have a teacher who has shown us how to live in Jesus Christ. And we are quite keen to say that we love God, that we pray, that we ask him for help in our lives, but how quick are we to listen and obey? Remember what Jesus said in John 14, 15? If you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus is not saying it's necessarily about a a, a list of rules to follow, that if we love him, we just naturally will want to follow in his way. It ultimately boils down to what is our attitude? Do we want to do what is socially acceptable in the world, or do we want to please God? Because the two often do not overlap. It's our attitude, our, our willingness to learn from Jesus that often makes the difference. If we are trusting and obeying God first and foremost, then our desire to sin is lower. We just don't want to do it anymore. So we avoid it. And then we engage in the Bible. We read scripture and we even can do it with other people so that we can learn different insights. Because how you might read it may be different than how I read it. And we can learn from one another from our own perspectives. Maybe in ways that we haven't seen before. But overall, what it is, we are to observe Jesus and everything he taught and seek to be as faithful to his example as we can. To do less than that is sin. This is why we need to be careful when we start to pick and choose our favorites. Try to dismiss that sin as minor because that's not how the Bible interprets sin. All sin are barriers between us and God. Adam and Eve ate one piece of fruit, one piece of fruit. And their relationship with God, their relationship with one another, their lives, and the lives of everyone who followed them changed forever. One small sin, we would say, they ate a piece of fruit, yet the world was changed forever. The other day I saw this on Twitter from Chad Bird. God's first words after the fall, that is when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, God's first words after the fall were, where are you? It's only one word in Hebrew, ayeka. In that one word is compressed a whole theology. God seeks out the lost sinner. God welcomes him to confess. God desires his restoration. God works his redemption. In one word that we translate to be, where are you? God seeks out the lost. He seeks out those who have put up barriers in their lives to try to hide from God's abundant blessing. Yet God is always looking. He's always seeking. He's always yearning for us to come back into relationship with him. And we see this first with Adam and Eve. And it still holds true today. God never gives up on us even when we break that relationship ourselves through sin. It is sin that impacts our relationship with God, and it is also sin that impacts our spiritual and our physical health and our ability to receive healing from God. So what about how our sin impacts, uh, our sin against others impacts us? 
I've known a few people over the years who have held on to deep hatred or resentment or bitterness towards other people. And you know what most of those people have in common? They're miserable. This hatred and resentment and bitterness that they carry has impacted their ability to enjoy life. And even for a couple of them, it has impacted their health. Holding on to hatred and resentment and bitterness or anything like it is sin. Why is it sin? Because Jesus commands us to to forgive. And I've taught on forgiveness before, but I'll give just a quick recap. Forgiveness is a powerful tool in bringing healing, both physically and spiritually. When we hold on to resentment and anger or bitterness towards someone else, it impacts our bodies. We need to let that go. Now, first, some caution about forgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting. Forgiveness does not mean trusting. Forgiveness forgiveness does not mean going back into an abusive relationship. Just because we forgive someone, it does not mean we allow them back into our lives because it is not always safe in all cases. What we are doing when we forgive someone is we're letting God take care of it. We release it to God and let God do what God does. And often that includes some aspect of healing. Now, there's a number of steps we can take when we forgive someone. The first one is we have to make the choice to forgive. We have to make that decision. No one can force us. We must choose to forgive someone. Second thing we do is we ask God for help because there's no way we can do this on our own without his help. Third, we pray from wisdom from God. We pray for what does God want us to know about the situation. We, we pray, we ask God, is there some sort of part that maybe we had to play in what happened? And then the fourth thing we do is we confess our wrongs. We confess our angerness and our bitterness and our hatred. We confess any role that we might have had in what happened. And then we pray for that person. We pray blessing for that person that God may enter their lives and bless them. We pray this earnestly. And finally, we pray that God will heal our own heart from our anger and bitterness. And this will usually happen over time as we continue to pray pray blessings for the other person. Eventually, we'll find that negative emotion, that negative energy kind of fade away and healing has come. Breaking the anger, breaking the cycle of anger and bitterness we hold against others can have a huge impact on our lives. I took someone through this process once, and she told me at the end of it that she forgave someone she had held a, a grudge against for 60 years, and she felt free. Our sins and relationship with other people impacts our bodies in ways we might not ever know. That is, until we let God break that sin, and release us from the burdens we carry, burdens that weigh us down. And so what about those sins we make against ourselves? Now, we belong to God, right? God created us. God gave us life. In a way, you could say God owns our bodies. In 1 Corinthians 6, we're reminded that our bodies are temples to God and we need to take care of them. I once worked with a minister for a brief period of time who told me 
Whenever you talk about sin in your sermons, I tune out. Why did he tune out? Well, I think part of it is he didn't want to deal with a sin in his own life. The man was about 400 pounds. He had a myriad of health problems. A few years ago, he was arrested on charges of voyeurism. That is, he filmed women without their knowledge. He's no longer a minister. And I believe a lot of this had to do with his inability to deal with sin in his life. He let it fester and grow to the point where he impacted the lives of others around him. Not to mention his wife and his children. We need to take care of our bodies, both physically and spiritually. Science has shown that our emotions and our attitudes impact our bodies. So if we are experiencing negative emotions, negative attitudes, and we let these negative experiences continue, they will have an impact negatively on our body. So if we keep subjecting ourselves to these things, the cumulative effect can be sickness and disease or worse. Jesus invites us to a new, way of life, a new way of life, a life where we trust God, a life of gentleness, a life of kindness, a life where goals are defined by God and not by the world. God's not asking us to be more religious. The Pharisees were the most religious people in the Bible, yet Jesus had a whole lot to say about them, and it wasn't very good most of the time. God is asking us for a relationship, a relationship with him. Now, sometimes our sickness is our fault, and sometimes it's the fault of others, or sometimes it just happens. But in the end, it's about finding that proper balance in our lives. And when sickness is our own fault, we must take responsibility. We must realize that sin could be the cause of the problem. And the way forward is not a way of judgment, though. God does not condemn us for our sin. (laughs) We're quite good at doing that on our own. Instead, God just simply calls us to repent of our sin and come back into the loving relationship we have with him. And there are a number of ways in which he'll do this. The first way is that God will speak to us in moments where it's appropriate, where we are able to listen and respond. God doesn't ruin every moment of our day reminding us of what failures we are. That's how the devil treats us, not God. Secondly, God only speaks to us about the sins that we are currently doing or sins from our past that we haven't dealt with, that we haven't repented of. The devil is the one that keeps bringing up the issues, the past, to make us feel like we're garbage, like we're not worth anything. We're not worth love, any love, let alone God's. Third, God acts as our friend. He walks with us through the times of repentance, the times of healing, so that we may be cured of the impacts of sin in our lives. The devil points out these things out so that we can either dwell on them or, or, or we deny them, which pulls us away from the truth God wants us to know. Fourth, God directs us to attitudes or thoughts or behaviors that can be changed that are against his will. The devil, though, uses shame in those moments. God says, you did wrong, while the devil says, you are wrong. Big difference. And finally, God points us to the future. He gives us hope. He reminds us 
that his forgiveness is freely given, that his love is freely given. Meanwhile, Satan has us dwell in misery, taking away hope, making us think, why even try? We need to realize God wants even more for us. He wants us to be blessed. And for this to happen, we sometimes need to be held accountable. We need to change as he directs us to change. When we try to keep God in a box, when we try to shape God into accepting who we are as sinful creatures, as if he agrees with everything we do, well, then things can start to go sideways. When sickness enters our lives or the lives of friends or loved ones, we must work to get to the cause of the sickness, which could be sin. And we invite God into the situation to guide us and direct us lovingly to find the solution. And if the need is there, we confess our sin and we receive God's forgiveness and we seek to change our ways to be more in line with his plan, his will. These steps, these changes, will vastly improve our relationship with our Heavenly Father and will lead immediately or gradually to greater emotional and physical health for our lives. This is what God wants for us. He wants us to know the vastness of his love, to live a blessed life, instead of hiding behind barriers of our own making, of our own sin, of our own shame that we put up on our own to keep him at bay. Healing comes in many ways, but first we need to acknowledge the source of our sickness. And if that source is sin, then we must deal with it and find the healing that only God can give. Amen. Let's sing of God's amazing grace.
Please be seated. Let's join our hearts in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you that your love is all around us, that you seek us, that you search for us, that you long for us to be in relationship with you. We thank you, God, that no matter what we do in our lives, you still are here for us. And that through your love, we are forgiven for the mistakes we make when we come to you. God, we're so thankful that we can be here as this church family. That we know, yes, we're not perfect. But we gather in your name to worship and praise you and to receive your gift of love this day. God, we pray today for the needs of our community. We pray for the needs of our families, ourselves. We pray for the needs of this world, for they are great. And only you can respond. Only you can bring this world to healing. Only you can restore this to to the perfection that you created it to be the beauty of the world that is around us. We give you thanks, but we also pray. And now, O God, we lift up to you the prayers of our hearts for those we love as we name them before you now. Lord, we pray that your peace, your love, your grace, and your mercy, and your forgiveness will come to this world. For all those we have prayed for this day, O God, we lift them up to you for healing and hope and love and comfort and all the things that you know they need. Lord, may your presence be known to them now, in this moment. May they know they are prayed for and that they are loved by us and by you. Lord, we lift all these prayers to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is I Heard the Voice of Jesus.
Friends, if you are in need of prayer this day, Bev and I will be at the front of the church here. We will pray for you. Um, But otherwise, let us go. Let us go be agents of God's peace and love and healing in this world. Let us share the God that is in our hearts with with, with those who are around us so they may see God in and through us. Let us go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God in each and every one of us, now and forever. Amen.